welcome back to Word Up with Danny Katz. I am your host, Danny Katz. I am an author, journalist, and a quantum languaging coach and consultant. What that means is that I teach people how language programs consciousness, how language programs reality at large, and how to transform reality and evolve our consciousness with language. I've also been known to cultivate and share an opinion or two or 12 about culture and consciousness and how they are evolving, devolving, and being manipulated by the powers that were. Here at Word Up, we are devoted to fostering critical thinking while supporting you in becoming your most authentic, empowered, liberated, realized, amazing version of yourself. Our every show aims to expand your consciousness, raise your frequency, sharpen your critical thinking skills, and make you giggle. (laughs) And think. Given the radical uptick in censorship over the past few years, combined with the complete co-opting slash decimation of my own personal industry, journalism, I started Word Up to have a free speech-friendly platform in which to engage exploratory, solutions-based conversations with visionaries, mystics, original thinkers, and rebel badasses who are helping to make the world more wonderful. The first half of my interviews run between 30 to 90 minutes and are always posted here for free public listening. The second halves are reserved for paid supporters on my Patreon and my Locals platforms, where for as little as $5 a month, you can access all of my second half conversations along with oodles of other bonus content and opportunities to drop in with me, to drop in with our High Vibe tribe, and lots of other awesome things. In addition to interviews, Word Up also features quantum languaging upgrades, planetary service announcements, and propaganda analysis, which I call Spot the Propaganda. Thank you so much for tuning in and for sharing your sacred attention with me and our high vibe tribe of change makers. Be sure to click that subscribe button so you can stay abreast of our every episode. Thank you for also clicking the like button, for sharing far and wide, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As well, if you are gleaning any value whatsoever from these shows, consider supporting me on Locals and or Patreon. And as you are wanting to learn more about my quantum languaging coaching and consulting services or nab copies of my books, find me on dannycats.com as well as on quantumlanguaging.com. Okay, I think that's it for our housekeeping. Buckle up and prepare to enjoy this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Hey, superstars, welcome back to another episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Today I am joined once again, we are joined once again by astrologer extraordinaire, The Peace Dealer. I reached out to The Peace Dealer to come back on the podcast, not just because he's a Word Up slash Danny Katz favorite, um, but because I had received some feedback on my Cusps Are Bullshit series, wherein I was accused of a sort of soft astrological racism in terms of homogenizing and stereotyping the signs. And it kind of resonated. So I invited the peace dealer on 
to dive into it, to unpack the soft bigotry of astrological profiling. And in this episode, we go through each of the signs and talk about what are the stereotypes? Where are they getting a bad rap? What is the reflection for the collective that is being projected onto the individual signs? It's a juicy conversation for the astrological geeks out there. Yes, I'm talking to you. Before we dive in, I'm reminding you to click that subscribe button to like, to share, to comment, and inviting you to consider supporting me on either Patreon or Locals. Um, If you're getting any value out of this series, out of any of my work, it's so super helpful in keeping me going, um, keeping the lights on, keeping the Zoom accounts up to date, et cetera, et cetera. Um, This podcast, like all my podcasts, is divided into two parts. First half is free for the public. Second half is available for my paying supporters on Patreon and locals. I encourage you to become one of them, to join the tribe. I'm also inviting you to sign up for my newsletter, dannycats.com, to ensure that we stay in touch despite big tech thought police fuckery. Last announcement. Announcement. Um, this podcast is going to drop the day before Thanksgiving 2023. I am preparing to launch my digital pop propaganda class for teens and adults alike. Um, so whether you are a parent of a teen, um, a parent of a toddler, not a parent at all, just someone who wants to catch yourself up to speed on um, propaganda, media manipulation while safeguarding and building your critical thinking, this is the course for you. The course is going to launch January 2024. And in the spirit of um friday of color of of the shopping frenzy frenzy that um we're all herded into around the thanksgiving holiday i am offering a friday of color discount on the course so as you know that you're going to want to nab this digital course either for yourself your family your kids what have you i highly recommend nabbing it now while it is steeply discounted in honor of the shopping holiday you can find the promo code in the description of the podcast and or on my website dannycats.com that's it for housekeeping Buckle up and prepare to enjoy my conversation with the Peace Dealer. It's going well. I mean, I would like humanity to wake up to the AI nonsense sooner than later before it goes any further. (laughs) Yeah, I feel you on that for sure. Um, I, I, if anything, I feel like that might just be inevitable, but it, it, it means a lot hearing you say that, knowing your perspective and, uh, everything you're aware of. Like, I kind of feel like when, when I hear stuff from you or like people like you, it's letting me know what's literally to come. It's like, okay, I was right about that. Or, okay, this might happen. So, Yeah. It's a lot of inevitability here. So you think AI enslavement is inevitable? Yeah, because people are going to choose it. Um, And that's where it's like, I kind of treat it like Groundhog Day. And it's like, that's what Aquarius taught me. It's like, based on how people are receptive to you now, will let us know. So it's like, 
if people if most people are thinking what you're saying now is crazy then they're doomed but if a majority of people it took me a while to learn that too it's like oh okay so you guys are really in the future but i mean i don't think it's i don't think it's inevitable because it's variable but i, I think it might be inevitable in a way where it's like maybe maybe it has to get that bad so people so enough people wake up or uh it gets better but i can I I can uh, appreciate how from your perspective right now you see how it doesn't have to be that way and it realistically may not have to. So. Yeah, I appreciate that. I feel like I found the inflection point. Um this is this is the, the frustration, maybe it's an Aquarius thing, it might just be my earthwalk where I see pivot points and then my frustration when humanity doesn't take them, but yeah. I feel like the weaponization of customer service can be the issue that unifies us and allows us to evade AI techno-fascism. And I mean, there's so much, I guess I'm somewhat, um, I might, oops, wait, what? Okay. I might be really just more so skeptical. Maybe it's just like, um, me not being open-minded but like i just don't see it happening i feel like um there's so much money that's been put into this 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 takeover has been prepared for so long that i just personally feel like if they need to be underhanded and use nuclear weapons to do it they will but like that's where I, but, but see, at the same time, there could be things that obviously I don't see right now. We don't see right now that, that can come into play. So that are completely random that throw everyone off guard in revolutionary fashion. So yeah, I definitely keep it open for that team. I mean, I agree with you. They've put so much money and like generations of like nefarious strategizing into this. But the fact remains that we, there are more of us than them and what i see with the customer service weaponization is it's not a partisan issue like even you know good good liberals who got their shots and love ukraine and and all of those things are still being ill served by the fact that there's no more customer service at youtube at&t best buy like whatever it is so i feel like it's the one thing where we're all being equally fucked over <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's no way to rationalize it. Like if everyone who got a YouTube strike was like, great, I'm pulling my channel since I can't talk to anyone at your stupid corporation, right? If everyone on Facebook who, you know, couldn't get a hold of someone was like, great, then I'm pulling my account. We could shut this thing down so fast. That's so true. Just a solid air. You know what? I'm so glad you mentioned it. Yeah, it's like, it's just like having that. So and, and it just overstates how much they depend on division and they need they literally need us fighting each other because you're so right. Like we could do that overnight, quite literally. Right. It would be so quick. So I like this is my new thing is like because I, I continue to see it. I'm holding I'm holding out hope for that. Um, did you predict the Matthew Perry thing? No, people told me about that, uh, his death. No, I don't think I did. Like, there's certain predictions. I'm very um, uncompromising with myself, so it's very unrealistic. Like, predictions could happen. Like, 
after the week, but I give myself that week span for it to happen. But there are stuff that have happened after I just don't count it. But yeah, I don't, I don't, people did share me that, but I don't know if I predicted that one for them. And are your predictions coming through your relationship with the stars or is it a different sort of psychic capacity that you're pulling from? I love that question so much. So yeah, personally, the whole purpose of this was to really challenge the limits. Uh, I approached it a little skeptically too. really a challenge the limits is just intuition. So I make sure that when I'm thinking of the predictions, I don't have time to think of them. I just write what comes to mind first. So it's coming from it's not coming from a biased place in my mind. And some predictions I I've noted were biased. Like this, like in a rare few cases, a lot some of the stuff that didn't come true were stuff that I wanted to happen. And I'm right. like versus the stuff that just like came straight out and it's like, wow, that actually happened. So yeah. I appreciate you saying that because I think so many people think that like we can be objective arbiters of anything. And it's like we can't be objective. It's not possible we all have likes and dislikes and preferences and programming i want to believe i can be i always like to to you know but i always i I, i've come to slowly but surely accept that and 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 it it was in learning about bias biasness and logic and 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 you know rhetoric that kind of forced me to accept that too but i'm grateful that it was (laughs) Well, cool. This leads into why I invited you on today. So someone had left a comment. You know, I had done that series about our cusps bullshit and some other astrologers. And someone wrote in my comment stream like you you're I'm paraphrasing, but it was like accusing me of a sort of soft bigotry in terms of astrological stereotypes. And I was like, I feel like that might be true. And so I wanted to talk to you about it, like, you know, is making fun of all cancers for being weak ass crybabies a type of bigotry? (laughs) I love this. I'm so glad to talk about this because studying this for 10 years relative to really studying this for 10 years, um, you know, whereas at first I'm giving in all these stereotypes or and and knowing at, at the surface that they're not real versus like later fully understanding like just being so tapped into the multi-dimensionality which which is a great you know progression from being a beginner to being more you know understanding seeing seeing and identifying a sign as something which is something a question that you get a lot like oh what does this sign mean what does this sign mean like what does cancer which which sign represents cheaters which sign represents this and at first you know (laughs) (laughs) right what did you say you said scorpio i said scorpio okay yeah the the og right there but um you know at first you you play into it and that's the beautiful what i love about stereotypes is that they're so fun they're so fun to play with on a basic level it's really great to teach people basic astrology with this too because you can break it down to a stereotype level way to make it easy for people to understand but of course as you as you grow older and wisdom and in understanding how this works you go from saying okay um cancer is the crybaby or Aries is the most likely to fight someone to okay 
all the zodiac signs will fight, but this is how Aries will fight someone. This is how Libra will fight someone. This is how Cancer will fight someone. So instead of kind of like singling out these archetypes with that, you, you it's easier to now start to see it in in different flavors and modes and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, it's it's just like regular stereotypes. It's just very easy to kind of remember. Uh, negative experiences or patterns which of course could be exaggerated by you really experiencing that and forgetting that could just be that moment a mode uh or whatnot but i'm once again i'm glad to talk about this because there are some outrageous stereotypes that don't even really apply and have just kind of stuck on certain people and signs uh for little to no reason too or just very huge misconceptions so i'm excited to explore that well, which ones pop to mind? Like, what are some of the biggest misconceptions you want to bust open for us? Um, let's see. I want to say, um, let me, let me see which one real quick. Okay, let's do the one where, yeah, there we go. Because uh, I was going to jump in real quick and, and talk about Gemini, but I don't want to be biased and just be like, yeah, people say Gemini is too, you know, stupid. But I think one of the major uh, misconceptions is Pisces being delusional. I used to think that. I used to think uh, Pisces is just as a stereotype. And, and there's a certain element of like zodiac racism or or right. elemental prejudice that I kind of want to teach in a way to make you aware like this is why it's wrong but this is how it happens and this is how to do it because you know we're still all biased like as much as you can as much as we can say that okay this is my personal bias like as air signs we're going to have frustrating connections with some earth and water signs like there's going to be and that's what I really love about the zodiac like what the stereotypes too like every element and every archetype has something that they hate about the other and of course love about the other so you know like as an air sign I always used to really just blanket almost gaslight water energy and water signs and just kind of assume that they're they're just delusional they're not really thinking straight they're not logical and i didn't realize that yeah they weren't thinking straight but they were accessing something beyond logic or they were being very psychic and that's how water would put me in check but like what i had to learn over time is that you know a zodiac sign like pisces could be very misunderstood because they do what gemini energy will do and and even even with me kind of saying the sign like that a lot of this is idiomatic which lends more to stereotypes because we'll say oh i'm a gemini or pisces but then you know nobody is a zodiac sign so if you don't know that then you can kind of like mix those together but like yeah like pisces could really just be in a state of delusion and it's easy to mistake that state of vibing out in delusion for them actually being delusional sometimes they can just slip it on and they can release their ego so they won't care if you see them as completely delusional that's what they want to be in the moment and then can slip on and go einstein mode and you know it, it, if we just kind of keep these blanket you know all oh, water signs are delusional and emotional even cancer being emotional like i learned that that might be more because they're psychic and the moodiness and it makes them more empathic and that I'm so glad we talked about bias before because it's easy to see where 
we can kind of have confirmation bias and remember the few times that we see people give into the stereotypes and ignore all the other times that they probably did the opposite or whatnot. Uh, so yeah, catching ourselves in that is, is very vital, very paramount. I appreciate you talking about stereotypes as useful in learning because I feel like there's a permission there. And I also feel like our culture has gotten so psychotically, pathologically PC that I, I feel like it's the only place that I could play this way, you know, that I'm still kind of allowed. But I also feel like I like it as, as using it as a way into understanding. Like I was talking to a fellow Aquarius friend, he was dating a cancer and I was like, no, we don't do water signs. Like that is a hard no. And he, you know, we were going into our thing with them and it's like, they just have a different relationship to truth. And- yeah. And I like that because it's like, yeah, this is helping to understand water. They might not be trying to be deceptive or like the world for them is is primarily water. And and also, to be clear, like when I say Pisces, like I found it more helpful to be like, do you have Pisces in your chart versus are you a Pisces? Right. And just influences and how are these astrological influences coloring their behavior in ways that line up with what I, you know, continue to learn about the signs. I really, I really like that point you had mentioned too, around like, are they, you know, having energy in your chart versus being that, which, uh, you know, circumvents so much confusion and, and just goes back into the nature of the language and the nature of how, you know, personally, we understand these things and um really oh wow that's crazy and also really you know accept and embrace these things as well accordingly yeah i mentioned like scorpio i feel like scorpio and i think you may have done a skit on this like i know gemini's get a bad rap i know scorpio's get a bad rap and I feel like a lot of that is belying our own discomfort with certain like larger energetics. Like when I look at Scorpio getting a bad rap because they're Plutonian, I feel like, well, that's the demonization of the feminine in our culture, the demonization of darkness, of transformation, of sex. And like, yeah, it's easy to pin it on people who have Scorpio in their charts, but also using these stereotypes to look at like, well, what is our collective relationship? to death and sex and transformation and how has that been projected onto Scorpios who carry these energetics yeah. and and how they also kind of like realistically react to that and the nuances and then adding more to uh said confusion too which which just brings back how you know a lot of conflicts are just mostly based in miscommunication and the inability to get those points across uh, and whatnot. So where do you see Gemini's getting a bad rap and like the sort of soft bigotry of astrological stereotypes? Like, how do you see that showing up with Gemini's? Um, So I learned that society does not respect individuals as much as, and and maybe that's not how it always used to be. It, It made me really respect Aquarius, Pisces, Aries and Taurus, because uh, Leo is social, Virgo is social, Libra social, Scorpio social. So those other four signs are antisocial. They're opposite the social end. And a lot of the bias against antisocial energies, Aries and 
Taurus, which do and have their own thing. Aquarius is out of this world. Pisces seemingly escapes, but it's just metaphysical. Like uh, the the way things are rounded out, even in the way movies and heroes and villains are depicted, it taught me that Leo and Libra is the hero archetype because that's the social being that goes outside and and you know champions and and focuses on others uh, other than themselves and then aries usually gets the traditional villain archetype which is like trying to do everything yourself and 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 being selfish and it's interesting to see how these things get perverted where you know sometimes you need that individual to put society in check and and you know when it comes to people expecting certain things from you or or expecting a certain way of how you should behave and act and i think that's something that aquarius goes through and gemini goes through i feel like aquarius is too high level to be affected by even though it is it it, it is somewhat affected but like there's so much knowledge coming in into it whereas Aries and Gemini are vulnerable at that very childlike baby position so it's very easy for you know a lot of external influences to manipulate it kind of like how an older influence will try and influence a child so Gemini is very misunderstood because we work really well one-on-one with people and certain people expect us to behave the same way with you that we behaved with somebody else and you know gemini as a vibration is like a curious seven-year-old so it's going to want your attention it's going to want to see your reaction to things it's gonna say things just to see how you react just to see how it sounds and you know given the insensitivity of how air signs especially gemini could be with words it's easy for people to take things personally and mishear things we say so in that muddled up you know whatnot a lot of lot you know we could we could be stereotyped of course for being two-faced and uh for being very fickle the two-facedness of gemini is definitely something that i i've looked more into as far as whether done maliciously or whether just as a facet of that person's character because they they rely on that mass to get through gemini is one of those weird mutable vibrations where um depending on who you are you can't really express it because certain things may ruffle someone's feathers versus another person where it completely opens them up so you know unlike a more fundamental fixed or cardinal vibration that like you know i don't want to say capricorn that's going to be stand up in integrity to everything and and scorpio that's going to be fixed everywhere gemini is very mutable and we can play with so many ideas so many perspectives that it, I guess it could look shady to certain people. I mean, I want to be careful with what I'm saying because people have bad experiences with every Zodiac sign and people with bad experiences with Gemini would be like, no, the Geminis I did what they've lied to me. They were childish. They were, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I'm definitely aware of 
of how mischievous and and uh tricky we can be but i i've noticed with with really all mutable signs but specific and and air signs too but specifically gemini it's like there's so much more potential for misunderstanding because there's the people who people think they're talking to with the gemini and then there's who they actually are and in that moment they could have just been mirroring you or just kind of like sharing off the energy you had or whatnot but yeah it's interesting hearing you talk about this because even though I've been mulling this over for a couple months, it's just occurring to me like I think we're projecting all of the the collective unconscious aspects that we're not in right relationships get thrust onto each sign. And what a great way for us to look at ourselves like like as you're talking about Gemini, I'm thinking of how like I heard that um all artists are what they call um, multiple personality because they have the ability to shift into different ways of being and how like this matrix wants us to buy into fixity and you have to be the same at yeah. all times. And, and, and I also like that you said playful because Gemini, right? Like that's spring into summer. Like it's such a light, you know, sunshiny. It's just like, oh, let me play with this iteration and this, you know, I'll show up like this. And it just seems very lighthearted and that it's showing us where we're not comfortable with like this consistently, this consistency we've been indoctrinated to believe that everyone has to show up like. I love that you said that because that I think I didn't even realize being a mutable sign. That's something that has always been frustrating, like this whole this whole push or need to you have to be this you have to do only this in fact that actually defines kanye west's legacy he was told he can only be a producer and then he started rapping you can only be a rapper you can't be a clothing design then he started clothing design so like you know it, it i think it's a huge mutable lesson as far as just like opening up and and stepping into that multi-dimensionality um but yeah, I really like how a lot of the stereotypes for one sign usually apply to another indirectly. Which so is what, is, what are the Gemini stereotypes? Which other sign do they apply to? Great question. So ironically, a lot of things that apply on the surface to one person usually may apply to another ironically for like a lot of the flaky or two-face qualities that you would think Gemini does, you are actually more likely to see from Virgo or Sagittarius. Even though on the surface, they're very, like Virgo is the realist. Like you wouldn't necessarily expect that on the surface. You might expect that on the surface from Gemini, who's going to be very chatty on the surface when you get to know them and whatnot, but then you realize Gemini has that Virgo fourth house. So they're going to be very analytical about what they share privately. Right. And then, you know, Sagittarius has that Pisces fourth house or, or, you know, circumstances beyond the surface can now unexpectedly draw these mechanics in a way where Sagittarius ironically has Gemini in the seventh house. So they're more likely to kind of be two-faced towards other people. Well, see that I'm catch myself there because I'm not going to say two-faced because of the Gemini energy, but more so uh, to kind of come off as a bit fickle to be a lot more. Um, I'm not just going to say adventurous, but uh, I'm going to say they're going to come off more that way 
without maybe always intentionally wanting to. But then make it easy to project other people for doing that, maybe because of a lack of communication. Um, maybe in Virgo's case, they weren't planning on being two-faced, but like they didn't expect for you to show up uh, looking the way you looked. And now they had to flake on you. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> like right. it, on the surface, they're really not like that. But like certain circumstances, whereas you will see the Gemini be loyal but you're expecting them to cheat, you know what I mean? Or to kind right. of betray. And that that's something I kind of noticed. I, 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 want, I wish I could give a more specific concrete example, but that's kind of more the concept behind that. Well, if you're game, I'd kind of love to work through this, move through the signs and their stereotypes. But as you're saying this, like I always ascribe an innocence to Gemini because it's so mm -hmm. early in the Zodiac, exactly. right? So, you know, with Aries as well, I just see this very kind of youthful, you know, like, well, I'm trying on this version of myself and then I'm going to try on this one. And it's just it feels like it's more experimental because it's younger in terms of like the whole Zodiac. Yeah, no, that's so beautiful. That's so true. Yeah. The the age development cycle of the Zodiac revealed so much wisdom and it helped me understand more the nature of the signs, because like Aries, every Aries I've ever met as old as they are acts like a two-year-old baby in a certain sense in a beautiful way too like they have that spark that the gemini and taurus will have that naivety to them um and kind of answer your question before too that kind of brings me to the more complex wisdom of like scorpio and pisces i feel like i feel like a lot of things i feel like taurus and scorpio are more alike than they care to admit and that a lot of things that apply to pisces or a lot of things we stereotypically assign to pisces actually apply more to Scorpio. And a lot of things we stereotypically apply to Scorpio actually apply more to Pisces. Like we see Pisces as the dreamy energy, which it pretty much is. And Scorpio is the occult, but it's like you, you see more Pisces engaged in the occult and you might see more Scorpios, you know, more it, fantasy and more dreamy. That's very vague. I don't have any like numbers to prove that, but it's something I'm looking, I'm more open to looking into instead of just kind of accepting the you know a lot of what we've not only accepted i also feel like because time is changing and like we're in a different time what if like the the meanings of the zodiac kind of change and function and the terms we use like a lot of the understanding of mythology is based off of like uh, centuries old you know lore and you know it, it'd be interesting to see how we update that and uh if it could be updated it, it, how will it be updated or, or uh yeah evolved and whatnot yeah, that's really interesting. I'm just I've been listening to this podcast about um, the life of Francis Bacon um, and realizing like how many of our myths are just propaganda um, and social engineering, like everything that Shakespeare wrote. So as you're saying this, it has me wondering, like these myths that, you know, our whole culture is based on um i like the like are there any that pop to mind that you think could use an update yeah great question like there's huge like uh i learned recently maybe a, a, a few months ago uranus is a popular ruler of aquarius but it it the sign aquarius correlates so much more to prometheus unbound and the story of Prometheus stealing fire from the gods, giving it, you know, innovation, a lot more of that mythology ties more to Aquarius qualities than Uranus. 
you start to see uh like ancient rulership to me i've never resonated with because you know it's putting stuff like that in context it's like Pluto was not discovered. Uranus wasn't discovered. So I feel like you only gave Mars Scorpio because you didn't know what else to give. You didn't know Pluto was there. You gave Saturn to Aquarius because you didn't know Uranus was there, right? And that's how new discoveries, we updated that. And now it's it's a lot more aligned. So yeah, I mean, I feel like um, even, even the, and that's what I love about astrology, like, I know so much over this decade about astrology and I feel like that is still just one grain of sand and like a limitless sand beach. Like I, as much as I know, it's still just a little. And then I feel like given these outdated or, or, or nature of how we use our language, speak our language, use these mythologies, it limits so much the potential of what we really could do with this, which is really exciting because it lets us know there's so much more. But yeah, I would just say a lot, a, a lot about the language. Like I didn't realize that Spanish, English, a lot of a lot of the languages that we speak were derived from Latin, and I didn't know Latin was. Um, a dialect i thought it was like an i didn't know it was a dialect of like sanskrit so it definitely personally i think that clouds so much and i think what's really cool is we might it would be interesting especially with uranus and gemini if, if we create collectively a new language if 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 that actually occurs like a new global universal language that might not even be spoken with like tones or something or with like just words or whatnot, but yeah, I didn't even think about that until just now. But I love that. I love how Aquarian the conversation's getting. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I was tuning into your show. I think it was two nights ago, and at like one thing that I really appreciate that I see you as as definitely a vanguard is talking not just sun signs, but you know, like libra and pluto or you know talking to like generations or like chunks of people born under a sign i think it's really expanding the conversation but i also had the thought like i feel like you have your finger on time you just you know it's like the way we understand time is we don't know we don't have a clue but i feel like what you're doing is getting us closer to understanding what time is yeah yeah somehow (laughs) is that one of your intentions like how has your relationship to time shifted as you go deeper and deeper and deeper into astrology thank you so much that is that i think is the most important question i'm answering today that has been a slow but steady initiation and it wasn't until I started to respect the mat, like the actual math and and the angles and the timing of that, that um, the world really opened up to me. Like I, I didn't realize how crucial time and timing is. I understood that, but it's it's the closest thing to magic for me right now. And and in respecting the math of how the timing of certain angles align and and committing to telling the story that way has skyrocketed a lot of how I I go. A lot of it was more theoretical, postulative, my ideas of what I think it is. 
versus slowly but surely realizing, okay, these are the aspects and angles these make. These are the timing of these cycles. I think because my moon is on Saturn and Capricorn, I've always had a very special relationship with time. I've always been at the right place at the right time, uncannily. I have a very crazy sense of timing, but it's something I really want to like a time lord or something like that i really want to focus and commit so much to that as far as now learning it as a language what is the time telling us what is the timing telling us what are these patterns telling us and once i really kind of committed to looking at the degrees because i was really kind of just more rounding out the signs once i looked at the degrees and realized oh this is a communication the sun is squaring the moon that's a, actually a thing it's, it's actually a symbolic representation and then kind of see it it feels like you're just more in flow with time it just feels like you're more in sync like you're actually not you know not catching up not not too away and, and it allows now the universe to speak to us through what we seem to at that moment perceive, you know, time is telling us or whatnot. But yeah, I've, I've just have a newfound love for that. And it's been very humbling because it really just kind of reveals a lot of what's possible. It's so interesting. I'm real. I'm really intrigued to see how this continues to develop for you because I feel like the co-opting of our timing in this culture is probably the biggest enslavement mechanism we're dealing with you know the gregorian calendar it's so nonsensical 30 days 31 days sometimes 28 sometimes 29 you know uh, october's not the eighth month december's not the 10th month so when we figure that this is our primary organizing structure and it's so janky and makes no sense like no wonder we're not yet getting it together or unifying or like really getting on top of this plane the calendar has always been a mystery to me because I now just started to figure out why, like what accounts for the those shifts. But now bigger picture thinking about what the calendar should be. I'm still lost. I'm still very open minded about that. But thankfully, you know, the, there's 365 days and then there's 360 degrees in the zodiac. So some people feel like, uh, the 360 degrees is supposed to account for the 365 days. I feel like since it's not, since it's 360 on the tropical, then how come it's 365 days? How come it's not exactly one each day? And what we realize with this now is the extra days are added and taken off to account for the wobbles in how, you know, we adjust sunlight and whatnot and relative to, you know, uh, uh, extra day or a day off here. I guess it's really just our way of just like rounding and keeping. Cause now I realize for sure, like the whole purpose of the calendrical system is to account for relative to the Zodiac, the 12 different mansions or the four seasons and the 12 different, you know, divisions of personally, um, each month, each 30, 30 degree day month. And it's interesting to see how, you know, October, which is clearly meaning like Octo is now like the 10th month, right? And to see how uh, a lot of these things change. So it'd be interesting to, to to work on maybe changing the names to something more, more aligned, but I've really come to respect why we do have 12 months. I learned the difference between the 28 day 
cycle, lunar cycle, that like the moon makes a 28 day lunar cycle to the earth. Right. And so people will reference that that can now create 13 different lunar cycles. And I didn't realize that I was mistaking that for because some people ask me, hey, like the, the moon makes a 28 day lunar cycle with with the earth. How come we don't have 13 month calendars? And then I realized the moon and the sun have a 30 day cycle, whereas the moon and the earth have a 28 day cycle. And it's easy to come. It's easy to confuse those two. So based on that cycle with the moon and the sun, that's what now enables us each 30 day degrees to to really account for that. And it'd be interesting to see how people did it with the old calendar, why it was corrected, why it had to be changed, because you do hear a bunch of people say and add this conspiracy element to it, like, oh, they don't want you to know this. They don't want you to know that they're hiding this. And I actually believe that. But like, I, I've never really heard anything sound where people know what they're alluding to or like they may not be as educated. I feel like they're headed in the right direction, but like it still opens up room for misleading and and to also look into why these, you know, there probably is a, a reason for the calculation. But I feel like the answer to is beyond what we may see because we're distracted looking at this with what's in front of us. But yeah, really still fascinating, really still fascinating. Yeah, I spent some years following the 13 moon calendar, but even in that system, there was the day out of time. And I just look at nature and it's like, nature's pretty perfect. Like they don't, it's not like this extra thing. So I feel like even when we're dealing with an extra, we're still kind of missing something, you know, like I'm curious, like how are the Dogon tracking time, you know, and right. are we considering yeah. the moon to be real? Are we considering the moon to be organic? Like, what do we do with that? That's another thing too, because the moon sign is like the most fascinating thing to me. Like because of the moon, be, and that's how I know if people understand how the zodiac works, like because the moon signs are so accurate, because I've seen like the sun sign accuracy and everything, that's how I know for sure that the moon is revolving around the earth and the earth is revolving around the sun because certain people feel like the the sun and the moon are in a firmament circling around and it's a riveting beautiful theory but like that would make the mechanism for astrology completely impossible because it's through this travel like that's what lets me know okay space really is real because the 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 cycle between that kind of uh shows that but personally like it once again, like blows my mind because if we're going to accept here that the moon, like I personally really believe in that whole Saturn moon matrix, that the moon really could be a satellite from Saturn. I didn't know that it was true that the moon reached a certain orbit, stopped, and then just stayed there. Like I, I had no idea that was true, that no one knows how the moon came to form it apparently was made like I and we are not and it's so beautiful because the moon is mysteries intuition and it's the most mysterious thing like perhaps around us right now governing the tide so if the moon is a satellite sent from another that changes everything and if we have moon signs how does that relate you know what I mean so it's very interesting yeah 
Totally. I'm always, I mean, sometimes when I think about it, I'm like, well, I think it speaks to the power of story and the power of myth that we've bought into this moon for so long that it shows up in this way. I personally have the same moon, Mars and rising. So it's kind of a little bit of a disability in terms of understanding my own chart, because it's like, it's all the same, you know, so I can't really differentiate between what's my moon, what's my rising Mm. when it's all the same, you know? So I'm kind of relying on other people for that one. Okay. And and what is what sign is that in? I'll give you one guess. Leo? No, 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 no. Aries. Oh, Aries. Okay. Aries moon, Mars and Aries, Aries rising. That's deep. Okay. That's very it's a lot. <laughs> that's interesting. Okay. Cause yeah, all right. Yeah. I didn't think how it blending could really do that, but Aries is so instinctual. That makes sense. So it'd be really interesting to see like what to influence that. I mean, I can see it in terms of observing other people. Like I think most Aries moons are pretty self-involved and self-referential. And then there's going to be that urge to like fight and lose it with anything emotional. Yeah. You know, but then between the Mars and the rising, as far as like my work in the world being, you know, like those get fuzzy. Yeah, especially with the clashes too, prospectively. But um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's also another uh, common stereotype. You know, Aries are always mad and they, you know, uh, kind of are always fighting, which is crazy because I've I've driven in a car with my father who's an Aries. Uh, I have an Aries friend and like predictably, you know, they are going to drop some F-bombs. They are going to yell at people on the road like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I've just learned to see it now as, you know what? I used to think they're just angry people, but that person didn't have to drive like shit. That person, maybe people just need to stop pissing Aries off, you know? And, and that made me look at them so different. It's like, maybe Aries is just, you know, we're looking at it so wrong. Like, they're just mad and people just be trying Aries energy and Aries people so much. It's like, you know, we're, we're making it out to be villains, but. Well, I think it goes back to Aries being the first sign in the Zodiac and being so young, right? So not having access to a lot of other responses, you know, until we do a lot of work, but okay. how anger is just going to be that first one. But it's also like super playful yeah. and super creative. Uh, and and it got me, I've suppressed my Mars for my whole life. So when I dip into the Aries energy now, I'm just like, Wow. Is this what I've been missing? Like, I'll just get into a, a fit of not even just rage, but just like really get in and 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 like just really just let out that instinct or whatever. And then after I'll be like, damn, Aries, I've been missing out. Is this what you, you guys have been doing? Like, this is so empowering. Like, this is so fun. Like, wow. If I knew this, I would have been just barking off like every time. Like, it is, it is. But yeah. Are you, is your Aries, is your Mars and Aries? Yeah. And how come you've like, what's kept you kind of on the sidelines of that? So it's in it, it, it rules the 12th house and it squares my Saturn, Neptune, Uranus and moon and Capricorn. So it's always been a That's leap. a lot of cap. It's a lot of cap. I grew up with my mom and sisters, pretty much just women. And my mom was such a traditional Christian influence the whole notion of just like feeling that raw Mars and Aries energy and opening up sexually has always just been hidden in a 12. I always felt like, oh, I'm not supposed to do that. I'm not supposed to be alone with a woman in a room. I'm not supposed to like express my sexual desires. 
And I've had to really scale back and, and come back to it now in my 30s. Like, it is okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, really push myself because I will literally inhibit myself when I desire. I train myself to not act off on it. And it it's kind of sucks to kind of, it kind of feels like having to revive an old power. But yeah, learning to step more into it. Well, and, and just to validate, I think that's a great skill to have, like to be able to keep it in check and how cool that now you're in a place where you're like, okay, I know how to keep it in check. Now, how do I want to express? How do I want to play with it? How do I want to bring this out of me? Through that. Yeah. So what are, um, going back to the stereotypes, what about Taurus? Like, what are some of the stere- unfair stereotypes that are thrust at Taurus? Um. It's so funny too, because like a lot of the stereo in, in a lot of the stereotype talk, a lot of it is looking at him differently too. And cause, cause for example, Taurus gets the huge stereotype of being lazy, I think, but really more money hungry or, or uh, just all about money. And one of my favorite content creators who's very controversial, DJ academics, um, whenever he gets in beefs with people, he's a, he's a cancer moon tour son. Whenever he gets in conflicts with people, he, he's someone who started off on YouTube, um, kind of just doing hip hop media content. And then he blew up. He over time got very big. Now he's making millions of dollars. And a lot of that is a Uranus and Taurus. So I can't wait to get some Gemini. But it's like you saw him before he was like super rich versus now that he's super rich. And the Taurus card comes out a lot. Like when he conflicts with people, he always makes it a point to say, I'm richer than you. I got more money than you. Like, you know, when he starts to talk money and you can see how he identifies with that whole quality of that. But then sometimes when he comes time to like really share financial wisdom, you know, that, that kind of experience comes through. So I feel like Taurus does get this very bad rap for, or, or they, they have the stereotype of being slow, being stubborn, being money hungry. And they are all three of these things, but it's just the way and the understanding of it. There's so much more groundedness. Like even their stubbornness is very intuitive. Taurus knows when to be stubborn about something, even if they don't know why they're being stubborn about Mm -hmm. it which is very remarkable and um because they stand on 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 their values and because they're so you know grounded um that's one thing i adore about taurus taurus is so wonderfully slow like an air sign and a and a water sign are going to talk first of all we need them to be slow because if they weren't the slowest zodiac sign things would not be stable and we wouldn't have any foundation, but it's like a, a, a Gemini and a cancer air sign, a water sign can talk about high intellectual, crazy technology and psychic ability and really going at length about how, you know, this, this can innovate society about how it's real, about how they've had the experiences. And the Taurus is going to look at them like you guys are crazy. Like you're delusional. I, I, I've seen this between a Taurus and an Aquarius talking and the Aquarius. I love that conversation. The Aquarius was telling the Taurus, oh, yeah, one time I put my hands on um, a dead battery and I used my hands to charge electricity. 
And I said, speak nothing of this. And I jumped the car with just my hands. And the Taurus was just like, you don't have to lie. Like, it's just us here. Like, he couldn't, he really legitimately couldn't ground that concept. And I loved it because I know the Aquarius wasn't lying. And I know the Taurus was being sincere. Aquarius is supernatural out of this world. And, and it's just so difficult. And that's that's the good, that's the same thing that's good about them because now it makes them so hard to fool. They have this discerning wisdom. They're used to seeing so much bullshit. That's the good thing about being so critical. They'll keep it real. But yeah. sometimes it's so much to a fault that it doesn't enable them to see beyond the physical because they're just so grounded in the physical. So yeah, I mean, that's that's how the stereotypes I think can help or hurt Taurus. And that's a good point because it is that fixed earth. So they're going to be like rooted in a way that even the us other earth signs aren't rooted. Is In my mind, I just think of them as the sensual sign and just of like yeah. delighting in all like the earthly thing, you know, the luxuries and whatnot, which I, yeah, it's in, but I think stubborn. They definitely get stubborn. Mm-hmm. It's the reason why I'm super stubborn. All my Taurus energy for sure. Where uh, do you have Taurus? Uh, rising Mercury and Venus. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. Venus yeah. and Taurus, lucky whoever ends up with you. <laughs> if I didn't have Venus and Taurus, I would probably be a man whore completely. I came to that realization. I was like, wow, if it was in Gemini or Aries, I would be a proud whore. Like, I wouldn't even care. But the Taurus just getting connected to Capricorn. It's like, I, I just got to... Got to be with one person. Got to be loyal. Yeah, I love that because it's just another like kind of subset of stereotypes. Like when I hear someone has Venus and Aries, I'm like, bye. I'm monogamous. I'm not. <laughs> you don't right. even have to go any further. Yeah, which, which is crazy because you don't want to apply that stereotype. But I mean, you have so much experience with that energy. You just know, like you, you could tell the pattern. So that's interesting. Right. I mean, that's my thing with water signs bringing us to cancer i'm curious about but like i've had a staunch like i do not date water signs rule for myself and every time i break it it just is exactly i'm like this is why like it's too consistent for me to not really stereotype the water signs as being a little too slippery for me but like cancers i'm just like it's, you know, it's countdown to when I hurt your feelings and you get butt hurt and take it super personally and decide you can't hang out with me anymore. So that is like universal air with water. In fact, it's because of water signs and earth signs like that's kind of I kind of want to build a society where like air signs discriminate against water sign employees like uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, hire the, like, like we're going to hire the earth signs to do all the work for us. We're going to hire the water signs to handle emotional damage. And there's a way that's cheeky and jokey about it, but it's also real. Like people already do this without knowing that's what they're doing. So that's why I want to teach it to be like, Hey, this could be why you have an issue with this person. Cause you, they're an air sign and you're an earth sign and they're irritating the crap out of you. Or, you know, you're a fire sign and the water sign is damping it. I've come to really respect the elemental influence, because then you have the the nuance, you have water signs that have an understanding of air. So they're a lot more smarter than most other water signs that can't disassociate. And I'm so glad you said that because I tried to really step away from stereotyping water 
and and you know really listening into okay no like because water signs will say some of the most insightful things and have this capacity for intellect that i think is the only element that can surpass air but it made me realize why they need air because sometimes they can just go out of bounds and be so charged with what they feel fire signs are like the suit that could be so into their passion and feelings that logic literally goes out the window and like you can't tell anything and exactly what you said before too about like um when are we that's kind of why i'm hesitant to be with like even Pisces energies or water signs. Cause it's like, what am I going to say? That's going to piss you off. And then you won't even let me know. You're going to be passive aggressive about it. I won't even know what pissed you off. And it's just like, yeah, we're good on that. It is what it is. Exactly. I mean, maybe it's our Mars and Aries and that's, and I feel like that's what's helped me about astrological stereotypes. It's like water signs aren't doing anything wrong. They're not fundamentally bad, uh, but with uh, all the Aries in my chart, I need transparency and I'm never going to get that from people who are water dominant. It's just not going to happen. Just not just in their nature to be passive aggressive and mysterious. And that I love that you said that too, because it's really nothing wrong with them. It, it made me realize that I may have been expecting more than they're capable of or something that they're not able to do. And that made me really once again, step back and approach it more consistently or, or balanced. I mean, I th for me, that's what I find so helpful about astrology is understanding like these are people's blueprints. So like expecting them to shift out of their blueprint isn't going to happen. It's just for me to learn what like how to show up, what boundaries do I need? What relationship is realistic, you know, given our blueprints? for <laughs> clicking that subscribe button for liking for sharing for commenting and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired as you are receiving any value from my podcast as you dig it as you listen regularly consider supporting me on patreon and or locals where for as little as $5 a month, you get access to all of my second half podcast interviews, as well as oodles of bonus content. Your support really goes a long way in supporting me as a journalist and an independent content creator navigate her way through a really crunchy time in terms of free speech. And as you are wanting to learn more about my work in the world, my books, my products, my quantum languaging, coaching, and consulting, you can find me at dannycats.com as well as quantumlanguaging.com. And if you're not down with a membership patronage platform and want to send me one-time donation, you can use the Bitcoin link if it actually appears on your podcast listening platform. You could also send me a one-time donation by way of PayPal at dannycats at pm.me or by way of Venmo where my username is Sadie Bloom. Again, your support means the world and makes a massive, massive difference when it comes to continuing to share this work with the world. Thank you for 
sharing your sacred attention with me. Thank you for remembering that you are omniscopic amazingness and for having a rockin' day. See you next time, superstars.